couple times and my computer broke down. So I got a new computer, so Lord willing, it'll work. Uh, this is our trip. This last year to Indonesia, we went out there to the dedication of the Tugutil New Testament, which my son-in-law translated. And uh, it's just a, a wonderful time together. And to see these people have the Word of God in their own language, it's an amazing, amazing thing. This is actually the second one that I went to uh, when I was... <coughs> Back in 1997, we went out to Indonesia and for the Garai translation, which is a tribe I worked in. And uh, so this is the second one in my family. My son is working in a Voodoo tribe. They're working on a third. So thank the Lord for this, and we'll see if this works. It's working. Okay, this is uh, inside the little airplane we're in, flying in, uh, and that's... You can look down there. You can see the airstrip that we're flying into and uh, the people getting off the airplane. They brought in different people from the government for this dedication. And uh, they're walking in. This sign says, Slama Datang, which means welcome. And uh, you see the people walking in. There was several hundred people there. Just a really precious time and uh, to be able to be at this dedication. This is uh, the group there, a lot of people, and we just had a wonderful time together. This is my son-in-law there on uh, your right, I think, <laughs> and he's uh, given a presentation to the people in the Tugutil language, and so only the Tugutil could understand it. The people from the government speak Indonesian, but they don't speak Tugutil, but uh, so he brought that presentation and uh took about 20 years for this translation to be finished. The reason it took so long is Asia got into a war in 1989, lasted about eight years in that over uh, area of the country. And uh, so we had to evacuate our tribes for about eight years. My son was out of his tribe for eight years. Also, Bob and Debbie, daughter and son-in-law. So they were out. That took it, made it quite a bit longer. Plus my... Son-in-law Bob is a translation consultant, and he goes and uh, he's been helping with over 20 translations in Indonesia and Thailand and some other areas. Here's some of the people uh, with the Word of God in their hand. I'll tell you what, uh, they're thrilled. They're absolutely thrilled to have the Word of God in their hand. Uh, it's got about 20% of the Old Testament and all the New into their language, and uh, such a privilege to be there. This was uh, out the airplane. We were about ready to leave. This guy in a white cap you can see there is the one that first started the translation. He actually did the chronological and some of the Old Testament, and uh, he's actually has Alzheimer's now. And his son brought him there to the dedication, and... Uh, he understood a little bit, but not too much. Uh, anyway, real precious guy. He's just a little bit younger than I am, but he's starting to really lose it. So, and that's my son there with the blue cap on. They're singing a song that this guy in the white hat there wrote when he's in the tribe. And uh, so they're saying, singing it to him. And I'll read the words to you. It says, we will never be separated from one another again. Although we will be separated from one another, 
Yet God will be with them. God will be there. And he will cause us to be reunited in the place of joy. So we don't need to be sad. The world will pass away. But we who are in Jesus will never be forsaken. That was a song that he wrote. Really precious. Because that's in his language there. You can see that language is really a difficult language. Uh, I worked in a tribe over in Kalimantan or in, in Borneo. <clears throat> it was much easier language. wasn't easy for me. But if I'd have gone in this language, I'd still be studying. <laughs> this was uh, where we stayed in Bali. We had a place where uh, my son and his wife and my daughter and her husband all of us were reunited there, and uh, we had a wonderful time just a few days there before we came home. And then we went to Seoul, uh, which is in Korea, and they had a place there in the airport for culture, and they'd let you dress up like a Korean. So anyway, we had a kind of a fun time there. Anyway, uh, just wanted to share just a few verses with you. So praise the Lord. Uh, the people there have uh, the Word of God in their own language, so that's wonderful. Thank the Lord for it. Down. Okay, we're going to look this morning at Matthew chapter 11. <clears throat> we're studying the book of Matthew, a lot of us here in the church. We're going to just cover three verses, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Starting with verse 28, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. This is one of the most precious words found in the Bible. It's a genuine invitation from Jesus. It's an open invitation to all who labor and are heavy laden with their sins, the burden that is on every person in the whole world, and that burden can only be lifted by the Lord Jesus. And the word here is, come. It says uh, people are striving, and they're burdened down with their sin, and this invitation for all people, it's open to all. And the word come, uh, I just wanted to share a couple other verses in the scripture that use the word come. Look in Revelation chapter 22. This is a description on how to be saved, and the word used here is come. And uh, so I just thought I'd go over a few of these verbs that the Lord uses for salvation. And uh, this is a word come in verse 17 of Revelation 22. And the Spirit and the bride say come. Now the bride is us, the church. We're the bride. So the Spirit of God says come. And we in turn Say to other people, come. And it says, and let him who hears say, come. So you hear it, you turn around and say, come to other people. And let him who thirst come. Anybody who thirst for the word of God, thirst for salvation, he says, come. Anybody who thirst. And uh, people are thirsty all over the world, but a lot of people won't admit they're thirsty, but they have to admit that they are thirsty Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. 
So that's the expression, come. Look at Isaiah chapter 55, the same expression, starting with verse 1. Oh, everyone who thirsts, sounds like the same message. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, hey, this is nice. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. The emphasis here is that it's free. It's free. Come. Verse 2 says, Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? These All the other things that are offered in this world, none of them satisfy. None of them satisfy. you got to come to Jesus be satisfied. Listen carefully to me. Eat what is good. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Here and your soul shall live. You get eternal life. Here and your soul shall live. And I'll make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. That everlasting covenant is for all of us. And anyway, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's the word come. The next word I thought I'd look at is in Genesis 15 verse 6. This is the word believe. This is the first time the word believes in the Bible, by the way. Genesis 15, verse 6, talking about Abraham. I'll read verse 5 first so you kind of get an idea. God brought Abraham outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. The NIV says accredited to him for righteousness. When he believed, the righteousness of God was credited to his account, put to his account. And that's a beautiful picture of the gospel. And uh, this, of course, in Genesis 15, verse 6, first time the word believes in the Bible, first time the word accounted or credited is in the Bible, and the first time the word righteousness is in the Bible. This verse is quoted in Romans, Galatians, Hebrews, and James. So you see the emphasis, the way a person gets saved is the same from Genesis to Revelation. Old Testament, New Testament. They're all saved by believing. By believing. The word, the uh, same word, the noun for believing is faith. Same exact word. So, let's look at a few, just a few verses on the word believe. Uh, John chapter 3, please. So much that I could cover here, but I don't have time to cover it all. But uh, I'll just pick up in verse 15. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. By the way, the word whoever, you know what that means in the Greek? It means whoever. Okay, so you got that one. Then verse 16, that famous, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, gave Him to be lifted up on Calvary to die for our sins. That's what it means, given Him. He gave His Son to die for you and me. That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Beautiful, beautiful. Never perish, but have everlasting life. The very moment a person puts their trust in the Lord Jesus, they have everlasting life. Now that word believe has to put your confidence in, to trust in, rely upon. I like, uh, I had a dear friend of mine, he said, what are you relying on to get you to heaven? What are you relying on? If you're relying on anything besides the Lord Jesus, you're in trouble. And the man so desires to have a part in his own salvation. That's why 
the gospel, the grace of God, is offensive. Uh, John 12, 46, Jesus is talking here. He says, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Hallelujah. You know, we're transferred from darkness to light when you trust the Lord Jesus. No longer in that darkness. I'll tell you, that's a beautiful, beautiful verse there. And then Acts 10, 43. This is Peter preaching at the home of Cornelius. The Lord had him go into a Gentile home. And he's preaching to Gentiles here. Acts 10, 43. Peter says, And to him all the prophets witness that through his name, that's talking about Jesus, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Sins be forgiven. What a glorious... Uh, I thought of the another word. Call. Call. You have this in Joel 2.32. Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah, Joel. Joel 2.32. And it says, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Of course, it's Mount Zion, Jerusalem. They're delivered. It's a cross where the cross was at Jerusalem. And uh, he says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is another description of how to get saved. And when a person realizes he's lost, he cries out to the Lord, and the Lord saves him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This in, in Acts 2, you don't need to look at it, it repeats the same verses in Peter's first message, the day of Pentecost, and he brings out whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Then in Romans 10, verse 13 says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. So you got the word call. I thought of another one, choose Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. He set before him a way of death and he encouraged him, choose life. That's another word. Um, just thought I'd, just a few more verses in Romans 3.23. I just want to emphasize the same thing that Isaiah 55 said was mentioned there. That it's free. Those that have no money. That's a good invitation. Those that don't have any money. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's everybody. We all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But it goes on to say, Being justified freely. Being justified, declared righteous freely. Freely, that means without a cause from our part. Without a price, it's free. It says, justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Beautiful, beautiful, without cost and without a cause. Look in Romans chapter 4. We're right there. Just for, I'll pick up, I'll just start from verse 1. What shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh. For if Abraham were justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. There is no boasting before God. But not before God. What does the Scripture say? That's the whole thing. It doesn't matter what I say. It's what the Scripture says that's important. 
Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as a debt. If you work, they pay you off. It's a debt they're paying. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. An offensive verse for a lot of people. They hate that verse because it says, but to him who does not, salvation now, but to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. You know, that's the only kind of people God justifies. It's ungodly. The only kind. Say, yeah, he justifies the ungodly. His faith is accounted or credited to him for righteousness. Beautiful, beautiful portion. And then just over a page, Romans 6.23 he says, for the wages of sin is death. Sin has wages. They're going to be paid. And death means separation from God. Separation from God for all eternity. Uh, that to me is probably the worst thing about hell. Be separated from God for all eternity. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a gift. But you know, it's the same as any gift. Any good unless you're... Unless you receive it, uh, over in John chapter 1, uses the expression on how to get saved. This word here in John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received Him, but as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in His name. So those who receive are the ones that believe. Receive the gift. God is offering us a gift to all people. And it's a gift of eternal life. It's unbelievable. Hardened hearts, hardened hearts, turn it down. May there not be any here who turn down this wonderful, wonderful gift. And then uh, Psalm 40, one other expression. I'll start verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord and inclined to me and heard my cry. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet on a rock. What a difference between a horrible pit and a miry clay and setting my feet on a rock, the rock, and establish my steps. He had put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. And then the next verse says, Blessed is a man who makes the Lord Blessed is a man who makes the Lord his trust. Okay, back to Matthew 11. Verse 28, I believe, is a, is a call out to the gospel. And the Lord gave us two instructions when he gave us the Great Commission. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But he also said, go and make disciples of all people. And this is, I believe, in verse 29, 29 and 30, it's talking about the discipleship, and uh, it's an invitation for all believers to be laborers together with God or co-laborers. Uh, the invitation is for all believers. It says, learn from me. That's what Mary was at the feet of the Lord Jesus, learning from him. And that's what we're to do is to be at his feet and learn from him, learn from Jesus. Let the Lord teach you. He's gentle and lowly of heart. As we grow in Christ, we become gentle and lowly in heart ourselves. A disciple is a learner, a follower. Uh, look in 1 Corinthians 3.9. says, now we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Being a fellow worker, a co-laborer with God. That's a tremendous, 
tremendous truth that we can be actually co-labors with God. We can labor together with God. We can be a learner, a follower. And uh, in Luke chapter 10, tells about being a laborer for God. In Luke 10, 2, the Lord Jesus, after he appointed the 70 to go out, and he said to them in verse 2, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is a prayer request of the Lord Jesus. And I think that all of us, almost every day, very important thing. Uh, I thought I'd share some verses that uh, give this theme in the New Testament, especially in look in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus is talking about being a disciple here. I'll pick up on verse 38. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Okay, look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Mark chapter 8, starting with verse 34. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. The reason a person would lose his life in the sense of letting Christ control his life, he does it for two reasons. He says, for my sake and the Gospels. For Jesus' sake and the Gospels. Remember that. Jesus' sake and the Gospels. And then look in Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whosoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And then one last verse in John chapter 12. This is right near the end of Jesus' life. Pick up in verse 24. It gives the idea of losing your life here. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. The dying to self Letting Christ control our life will be much grain or much fruit. Verse 25, he who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So you can see the emphasis and why does the scripture go over and over, repeat these things. The reason we find a theme repeated in the scriptures is to emphasize the importance of the theme. Emphasize the importance of the theme. So I thought of what are the rewards for those who choose to labor together with God? Look in Mark chapter 10. I love this portion, Mark chapter 10, because Peter wanted to know what in the world, what is in this for me? You know, if I, if I follow you, what good is that? So Peter just comes right out and asks the Lord. He says, verse 28, then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels. By the way, in, in the newer or the older transcripts, New American Standard, NIV, 
some of the more from the early manuscripts to take the gospel. I took my wife with uh, So anyway, Jesus answered, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. It means a hundredfold in this life. It's not talking about eternity. A hundredfold, you know, that's 10,000 return on your investment. 10,000%. Give up one, get it back a hundred. That's 10. I'll tell you what, if uh, I could say, I'll guarantee a 20% return on your money, I'd have a line from here to Orlando. People would want to, if it was guaranteed. But the Lord offers us 10,000%. People aren't too excited. He says, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the age to come. God offers this wonderful, wonderful promise if you serve him. Uh, look in John 12 again. I'll have, I like this one too. Uh, starting verse 24, I, I read this to you before says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loses his life will lose it. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my father, you think of me. You hear that? You serve the Lord Jesus? God the Father. That's tremendous. Huh? That is tremendous. If anyone serves me, him, my Father. So I thought about, and you shall find rest for your souls. I'll tell you, there's two rests. One is salvation, but the other is serving the Lord. Rest. i tell you what, that's a tremendous blessing. I, I can tell you this, that we stepped out back in 1908, came into the training, $5 support. And the Lord has taken care of us. He hasn't failed us yet, and he never will. But uh, we have a hundred homes and fathers. But God is faithful on how find rest for your souls. How can we take on his yoke? I think it starts with Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I think this is where most people miss it. This is a challenge to believers now. It's not talking about getting saved here. Listen carefully what it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren... Talking about believers. I beseech you therefore, brethren. Brothers, what's talking about? I beseech you therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Just give your body or self to the Lord and say, Lord, you take me and use me wherever you want. I'm not saying everybody's going to go to the mission field that does this. Obviously, that's not the truth. But he says... Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, with your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What's the will of God for your life? A wonderful, wonderful, good and acceptable and perfect. That's a gap. Good, acceptable, perfect will of God. And then just one last verse I'll give you. Isaiah 6. We're on our way to the airport to pick up my son-in-law, the one that did that translation. So we're going to be spending uh, some time with them this next week. So for privilege, here in Isaiah 6, Isaiah saw the Lord. He said, woe is me, I'm undone. 
From a man unclean lips and dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That's the Lord Jesus, by the way. Tell so in the book of John. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which is taken the tongs from off the altar. The altar to us is a cross. We have an altar, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity has taken away your sin purged. That's what happened to us when we put our trust in the Lord Jesus. We had our sin cleansed. Our iniquity is taken away. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? I love that. Who will go for us? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. He said, Go and tell. Thank you, Lord, for the invitation that we can be co-laborers with God. Thank you for each one here today. We pray your blessing. Challenge us, Lord. Help us to walk close to you. May we serve you all the days of our life. May we finish well. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.